So, imagine, interesting, and my first word on here is imagine. Imagine if a preacher comes to speak to you today, okay, and he says, and he reads these words to you. I wonder what you think. And from Matthew 15. These people, they honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Imagine if that was my text this morning. That these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. How, how does that make you feel? How would that make you feel if somebody came and prayed? Well, this is my text today. These people, they honour me with the lips, but their hearts are far from me. What's it make? Does it make you feel like... Like, well, that's not me. My heart is for Jesus. Does it, does it make you feel challenged at all? Does it make you feel uncomfortable? Come on, be honest. How does it make you feel? Or does it not, are you indifferent to it? It doesn't make you feel anything. You'd want to wait to see where he goes. Good and verbal, yeah. Yeah. The thing is, the word of God is challenging, isn't it? And it's okay to be challenged. It's okay to read in Galatians when it gives a whole list of the acts of the sinful nature and you go down the list and it might say sexual immorality, it might say drunkenness, orgies, it might say impatience and you go down the list, it's almost like a tick list, yeah, no that's not me, that's not me. Fits of rage, you get to fits of rage and you get to jealousy and you think, oh no, maybe that's a little bit like me. Maybe not you, but you know. Scripture's meant to challenge us. It's meant to teach us, it's meant to encourage us, amen? But we have to read it. We have to read it and we have to take it off the page and, and put it in here. So if, if you were to read that, like Beryl said, there needs to be an antidote. If you go to the doctor and you've got something wrong with you, you're looking for medicine, are you, to, to repair what's wrong? So if God's speaking to that, surely then he would tell us how to deal with it, would you think? So in Ezekiel 36, 26, it says... God says, I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a new heart of flesh. A new heart. So if we're sat there thinking, oh no, that's me. I'm worshipping God and yeah, it doesn't mean anything to me. I'm just going through the motions. How do I deal with that? You go back to God because God says, I'll give you a new heart. There's always an antidote, there's always medicine in the scriptures when we read it. We just have to search for it a little bit. And um, I think God wants us to do that. To search. To be hungry and thirsty. Amen? Yeah? Would you agree with that? That's, that's my experience anyway. You know, Martin Luther said these words. He says, when I look at myself, I do not see how I can possibly be saved. When I look at myself, I do not see how I can possibly be saved. But when I look at Christ, I do not see how I can possibly be lost. Isn't that amazing? When we look at Jesus, we find ourselves in Christ. We find ourselves. When I look at Christ, I do not see how I can possibly be lost. Jesus wants us to look at him. God wants us to direct our gaze towards him. And um, 
that's where we're going today. That's what we're going to do. Uh, last week, Peter was um, was speaking on uh, Isaiah 42, wasn't he? And he was talking about servanthood and being a servant. And so I got to I got to thinking about this, and I thought, well, okay, what if what if you don't have that servant spirit within you? That ability to be, to serve, to be gracious. Some people can be gracious for fun, can't they? It's just who they are. They're just naturally gracious. Would you say that? Would you say that? Some people naturally smile all the time, don't they? And some people just look miserable all the time. It's true, isn't it? Some people, we're, we're all different. And so I was like, listen, and I thought to Peter, I thought, yeah, Peter, that's great. We are called to be servant. We, we call to follow him, the servant king, Jesus. That when we look at Christ, that's who saves us. When we got baptised, like we were talking about baptism earlier on, you know, Jesus himself got baptised. He, he encourages us to be baptised because he wants us to go deeper with him and see him. And um, my experience in these last few years is the deeper you go, the deeper you realise you've got to go. You just start on a journey and it just becomes like a passion for God. And uh, and my journey all started in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, where it says, Just go, you on your own, into your room. Close the door, shut out the world, shut out everything, close the door. And then you, who comes before your Father, who you do not see, but your Father who sees you. So you bring your prayers. We don't see him, do we? But he sees us. Matthew 6, 6. It's a dead easy, uh, easy scripture to remember. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. The great scripture. Just read it and then apply it to your life. And that's what I've been trying to do these last years. Yeah, do I still get it wrong? Yeah, do I still get angry? Of course I do. Am I still impatient now and again? Yes, unfortunately. But I keep battling on. But my goal is, as Peter said last week, is to serve Christ. To follow him. That servant king would have been a great song today, wouldn't it? We're called to follow him. So what shall we look at today? That's my introduction. I need to look at the time because it's 28 minutes past 11. So what time can we stop? Because I didn't start until 20 past, so... <laughs> 12 o'clock. Shall we aim at 12? And if it gets to 10 past, we're okay. It might not. We'll see what God does, shall we? We're going to have a look at uh, Luke, okay? Uh, we're going to have a look at the book of Luke. I like Luke. I love Luke's scriptures because Luke, I see him as, uh, and I've probably said this before, he's like a detective. He, he acted on our behalf. He was a very intelligent man. He was like Dr. Luke. He was very intelligent, very clever. Heard all these stories about this man called Jesus and he wanted to go and find out if it's true. Now, I think I would, would you? You know, if you hear some stories, uh, for example, we go to India and I come back with all these stories, the eyes of the blind have been opened, we've seen people walk that couldn't walk, we've, we've seen people born deaf that they can hear again, we've seen the power of God move unbelievably, amazingly, like you wouldn't believe. And I'll come back with these stories and there's one, and I always tell these people these stories and there's one guy that called Stuart who uh, I buy my form off. He owns Drury Adams at, at, um, Stacksteads. You know Drury Adams? And I told Stuart about this. And Stuart, when he became 70, he said, I want to go to India with you. He said, I've heard these stories. I want to go and see it for myself. A little bit like Luke, really. He came. He couldn't believe it. It was amazing. And, um, 
Luke's that sort of a character. He goes out. And, and so we're going to pick up in Luke, the last chapter of Luke. It's Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 36. And I think Mar- Marilyn's putting it up on the screen for us. So we can follow it. I don't have any fancy slideshow for you. We just have the word of God. We have scripture and we have um, our imagination. Hallelujah. So let's step into the story. Are you ready? Let's do it. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. What were they talking about? This was a story. It's just after the two guys walking on the road to Emmaus. Remember, Jesus died. He's dead. He's in the tomb. And these two guys are set off to Emmaus. Jesus meets them on the road, has a chat with them. They sit down, get to the destination. They break bread. Their eyes are open. They recognize Jesus. So they come straight back to tell the disciples. And so that's what they're doing. And so while they're telling the disciples it's true that Jesus surely has risen from the dead, Jesus himself stands amongst them and he says, peace be with you. And verse 37, he said, they were startled and frightened thinking they saw a ghost. Well, I think I would, would you? I'd be terrified. Imagine, you've just seen this man, Jesus. You've just seen him nailed to a cross, brutally butchered, whipped, battered, nailed to the cross and a spear just for good measure thrust in his side to make sure he's dead. He's dead, okay? And then he stands amongst you. He said they were startled thinking this in a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? (laughs) And why do doubts rise in your mind? You see, he stood there. They couldn't believe it. They saw this Jesus stood there and they were troubled. They thought, no, it can't be. How can this be Jesus? It's impossible. I mean, what would you have thought? I'd have thought the same. How could this be Jesus? We've just seen him murdered. It can't possibly be Jesus. Why are you troubled? Verse 39 says, look at my hands and my feet. You see, he showed them proof. Look at my hands, my feet, it is I myself. Look at the nail marks. Look, this is where they put the nails in the hands. Look, this is where they put the nails, the big nails. And look in the side. They put a spear in my side. You can put your hand in it if you want. He asked Thomas a little bit later. This Jesus... You know when you go to, uh, some of you know that I've had a hip replacement, I'm actually on my second one, believe me not, it's six years since I had my second hip replacement, can you believe that? It's time fly, isn't it? I can remember my first one, but my second one was great, but how, how could you know that I'd had a hip replacement other than me telling you unless you just looked at my scar here? When you have an operation, anybody had an operation? There's usually a scar, isn't there, to tell the tale? Jesus was brutally murdered, nailed to a cross, there were scars, he had nail marks in his hands, that's how they knew. If there was dentists like dentists, they look at teeth these days, don't they? Or you've got your DNA in these modern times. DNA is a great storyteller, isn't it? Tells you who the person is, you can recognise people, you know them off the DNA. Well, they knew this was Jesus, because he had nail marks in his hands. We need to just understand that this Jesus rose from the dead and this is what Luke has paramount importance right now is to tell this story listen he did rise from the dead listen this is true you can you can believe it you can build your life in it you can get baptized because of it if you've never been baptized I want to encourage you to get baptized why because Jesus said get baptized don't think about it just do it you want to walk in the Christian faith you need to open your heart unless you are born again you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven John 3 3 you cannot do it. And then he says, you, be baptised. Be baptised. I want to encourage you, if you've never got baptised and you want to go on with Jesus, baptism is a key 
door that you need to walk through, for sure. So when he said this, he showed him his hands, and while they were still didn't believe, they still didn't believe it. But because of the joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to it? I can't believe it. You can't, it can't be Jesus. It can't be Jesus. No, and you can imagine him nudging himself like, getting excited, nervous excitement. I don't know if I dare believe this or not. Oh my goodness. So he said, okay guys, have you got something to eat? Bring us a McDonald's. <laughs> I don't think so. Have you got something to eat? There's nothing wrong with McDonald's, by the way. I quite like McDonald's, just for the record. All right. I like those chicken dippers. Yeah, anybody like the chicken dippers? They're good, aren't they? Especially with that sour cream and chive dip. Sorry, okay, we digress. But bring something to eat. <laughs> so they gave him a piece of broiled fish. Because they didn't do McDonald's back then. But if they did, I think they might have done. They gave him a piece of fish. And he took it, and what did he do with it? He ate it. He opened his mouth. He put it in his mouth. And he chewed it. And he swallowed it. And he ate it in their presence. Why did he do that? Because he thought he were a ghost. Ghost don't eat. That's the only reason. They thought he were a ghost. He wanted to just sort the doubts out. Because he'd seen him do amazing miracles. He might just be a fancy magician. No, no, no. More than anything, he wanted them to know that it was him. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds. Peter showed us, he introduced us to this Jesus, his servant king in Isaiah 42 last week. Everything that was said about him, a bruised reed he will not break. Everything, smouldering wick he will not snuff out. Everything that was said about this man came to pass in this Jesus Christ. And he opened their minds so that they could understand the scripture. And he told them this is what is written about the Messiah, that he would suffer and rise from the dead. And on the third day, it was the third day that he would rise again. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Repentance. Repentance for our sins. I don't know about you, but that's good news. Amen? You can't get into heaven with a bucket load of sins. You've got to get rid of them. You've got to repent. Jesus offers us repentance, free gift of life. It's a wonderful gift. And then it says in verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. And so this is Luke. How does he know these things? Luke, he went to speak to the guys and he asked them, what happened? What happened? This is what happened, Luke. Okay, I'll write that down. I'll let them know. I'll write it down for future generations. You and I. It's true. It's great. And then he says this to Jesus. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Luke in this particular passage, wants us to focus on the total resurrection of Jesus Christ. He wants us to know without a shadow of a doubt that this man Jesus, who was nailed on a cross for you and I, came back to life, was raised from the dead. He wants us to know that. Why does he want to know that? Because he wants to introduce us to a heavenly father who loves us so much. You and I, we are created by God. You are not a mistake, and you are not an accident. God loves you, he knows your name, he just wants you to get to know him. And through Jesus you can. So he said, I'm going to send the, the, the gift that my father's promised. 
Then he talks about the, then he talks about in verse 50. When he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. So while he left them, he was taken up into heaven. But look at this verse. This got me. Verse 52. He says, when, then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Why would they return to Jerusalem with great joy when Jesus just left them? Why would they do that? Yeah, he said that he's going to send a gift, but why would they do that? You wouldn't think it, would you? Put yourself in their position. Do you think you'd return to Jerusalem with great joy when Jesus just ascended in before you? Do you think you would? I don't think you would. I don't think so. Something else must have happened. Something else must have taken place. And it says there in verse 53, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. They've just seen Jesus rise from the dead. They've seen him, he's eaten fish, but now he's left them again. Something must have happened. And so I thought, okay, Luke, what must have happened? So then we've got to kind of continue Luke's story and we go to Acts chapter 1. So what happened? In Acts chapter 1. So, same thing, you see, it's Luke, same writer, he's put in my former book. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So, he's, he's just telling us again, until the day was taken up. So, he's bringing us right to the day that he was taken up into heaven. Okay, we're back there now. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving the instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he'd chosen. What were the instructions? That they're going to all the earth. That they'll be his witnesses, but that they had to go back to Jerusalem and wait for their gift that his father promised. Amen? Yeah, are you with it? Is this an interesting story? I think this is amazing stuff. I think this is great. Verse 3, after his suffering, he presented himself to them. We've just read it. He gave many convincing proofs. He showed them the, the, the marks in the hands. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. On one occasion, he was eating with them. We've just read it. On one occasion... And then he gave him the demand, this, this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. What is this gift that my father promised? What is it that we've got to wait for? And then he goes on, he says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. This is the gift. The Holy Spirit. So it's interesting that Luke, in, at the end of chapter, uh, chapter of Luke, at the end of chapter 24, Luke wants us to understand that this Jesus, who's the Son of God, actually did rise from the dead. That's what he wants us to do, almost taken away. And then Luke wants to pick up now, because it's starting Acts chapter 1, he wants us to understand now that there's a Holy Spirit for each one of us. That there's a gift that God wants to give us. And then it says, uh, John Baptist, in verse 6, he said, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still thinking with this. They're still thinking, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Are we going to get rid of these Romans? Are we going to rule? They're still thinking wrong. These are the disciples, still thinking wrong. And Jesus said to him, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Okay, listen. You got it wrong, guys. That's what he's saying. We're not even going there. There's something more important, and this is it. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, 
all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You want to you want a witness for Jesus? Do you want to be a witness for Jesus? You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to guide you, to direct you, to empower you. The Holy Spirit. He's the third person of the of God. He's the third person. He comes down. He's a person. He's not like a ghost. He's not like the force, Debbie. <laughs> the force is with you. It's the Holy Spirit. This is God. And then he said, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid him from their sight. So we got to that point, didn't we? In the last, at the end of Luke. That he was taken up. Then they all said, thought, great, had a party. Full of joy, they all went to Jerusalem, didn't they? Well, look at this next verse. This is what happened, and this is what Luke didn't tell us in chapter 24. It says this. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. So they saw him going. There he's going. They saw him. Then suddenly, two men dressed in white stood by the sides. Suddenly, two men dressed in white was there next to them. Two angels appeared right there. Right then. It was heaven coming down to earth. The connection. It was heaven, an open heaven. Stepped out of heaven, down to earth, with the disciples. Whilst Jesus was going up, the two angels came to speak to him. And they said this, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Could imagine them looking. And then, whoa, where have they come from? Could imagine it, couldn't you? Imagine you stood there watching Jesus go, and then all of a sudden, these voices from back. Wow. That would get your attention, wouldn't it? Look at all the other times when the angels appeared in Scripture. They were fear, weren't they? They were terrified. They were terrified. He said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from me into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. He's talking about a prophetic word again that Jesus will come again. He will come again. Peter mentioned that last, last week. That Jesus will come again. There will be a second coming. Jesus said, interesting, Jesus said that when he does come again, will the Son of Man find faith on earth? Have you ever thought about that one? Will the Son of Man find faith? Do you find sometimes like things doubt, doubt, do your faith get doubted? Do you doubt sometimes and wonder, or is that just me? What do you think? Do you ever doubt? Put your hand up if you doubt. Let's have a bit of audience participation. Put your hand up if you feel challenged in your faith. Sometimes. Put your hand up sometimes if you've ever been in a place where you can't pray. Because everything seems to bombard you and overwhelm you in life. You ever been that way? Is it true? It's not just me. I'm like that sometimes. Sometimes. Have you, do you ever wake up sometimes and, and you can't, like, you even struggle to get out of bed? Yeah. <laughs> not because of age. <laughs> not because you've had enough <laughs> yeah. we do sometimes don't we we do sometimes well look at that this same Jesus who's been taken and going to heaven and he says after that it said then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives a Sabbath day's walk from the city it was because the two angels were there when Jesus had taken and they looked round Jesus has gone now because he was hidden by a cloud, so off he went. Clouds covered him. He's gone. Ever seen an aeroplane take off, and uh, especially if there's somebody on it that you know, and you're waving them off, 
Have you ever done that? You're waving them off. They do that when you're in India, it's quite funny. They just stand there and just wave and wave and wave until you go, and then you go through the cloud, you think they've gone home now, and then you might go through a little break and you still look down and they're still waving. <laughs> it's great. But imagine when he got behind the clouds, he's gone as Jesus now. He's gone. Two angels, two men dressed in white. Hey guys, what are you doing? What are you looking up there for? He told you you were going to go. You've got a job to do. You guys, you've got to go to Jerusalem. Go to Jerusalem. Do exactly what Jesus told you to do. And, and I don't know about you sometimes, but I don't always just do what Jesus tells me to do. And I find out that when I don't do what Jesus tells me to do, it's, I end up in a worse place. Is that true? It's true, isn't it? You know when God, he, he invites, he invites us into his presence, he invites us to know him, to worship him, he saves us, all this and so much more, but the Holy Spirit is key. And if we're going to walk as servants of the King of Kings, the servant king, we need the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. Why? Because if you read in Galatians 5, after the, after the list of the sins, the acts of the sinful nature, after those lists, you read the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, self-control, long-suffering, long-goodness, self-control, self-control, no road rage, no road rage, anyone still, come on, anyone still get road rage when they're driving? Dear. Wow. Dear. You do. I wouldn't think you were a road rage person. <laughs> yes. Dear, do you get angry? You, Carol does, dear Carol. <laughs> do you know what? <laughs> right, it's good in it to be, uh, it's good to be honest, we're just human, aren't we? We don't always get it right and sometimes the anger. The worst time to get road rage is when you're already in a bad mood, is that right? If you're already in a bad mood and then somebody cuts up on you or causes you a problem. I bet Michael never gets road rage. I couldn't imagine you ever getting road rage, Michael, do you? You're not admitting it. I couldn't imagine you ever got road rage. <laughs> you know, the fruits of the Spirit take care of road rage. Why do I know that? Because you just prayed, you asked Jesus. If you've got fits of rage, and road rage is fits of rage, I guess, isn't it? So if you've got fits of rage, you just talk to God. You say, Lord God, I get road rage. Holy Spirit, would you just come and deal with that in me? Just keep praying it. Just keep praying it. And I guarantee you, 100%, it will go. But the key is, you've got to keep digging. You've got to keep praying it. You know when I mentioned about the well digging down to get the water? You've got to keep digging in prayer with God. If you stop praying today, and you never prayed another prayer in your Christian walk, I guarantee there's a chance that you would just become lukewarm, and you would slowly, slowly drift away, and you'd stop going to church, and you won't be interested. You would do that. Your faith would wane. Don't try it, please. Don't try this at home. No, don't try it. But I, I'll bet that that's what would happen. If you stopped seeing, meeting with other Christians, get, coming together, praying together, if you stopped that, reading the Bible, if you stopped everything, if you stopped everything, what do you think would happen? Or do you think you'd still go on? No, you'd stop everything. That's why we have to keep worshipping our God. Encouraging one another. Building ourselves up. The Bible says, fan into flame the gift that God has given you. How do you do that? 
How do you find something to flame your blow? What is breath? Ruach, the Ruach of God. The Holy Spirit comes, fans into flame. Lord God, I woke up this morning and I just feel rubbish. And I don't want to go to work. And I can't be bothered to pray. Holy Spirit, would you just blow that out of me? We just come. Ruach of God, just blow it out of me now. Open. I want to open myself up to you, Lord. I want to be a witness to you in all Judea. Just do it. Just start to walk this relationship with God every day, all the time. All the time. In verse 14, it says, They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They all joined together constantly in prayer. Prayer is so important. Prayer is so important. When um, when we prayed earlier, Susanna was talking about the prayer meeting, and uh, um, she said her desire would be that that room won't be big enough. Wouldn't that be great? That that room's not big enough to hold everybody that can pray. That's a good. That's a good desire to have, isn't it? In other words, everybody's passionate because they want to pray. They want to go with God. I had a question that I was thinking, and um, I'm going to I'm going to come to close now. We're doing all right. Is that clock right? Ten to twelve. Is it Michael? I thought we were doing really well. We're going off that clock. <laughs> what, what's the real time? Eight minutes. Eight minutes. <laughs> Eight. <laughs> Michael, that's two minutes. <laughs> Eight minutes too. <laughs> Listen, what kind of church do you want to be? What kind of church do you want to be? Never mind what kind of pastor do you want. What kind of church do you want? Because once you know what kind of church you want to be, once you know that, then you can find out what kind of pastor that you want if you're going to go for a pastor. Maybe you don't need a pastor. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just need... First of all, to find out what kind of church you want to be. Passionate for God. Letting the gift that God, that Jesus promised. Being filled with that Holy Spirit every day. You'll soon find out what church you want to be when that happens. Just invite God, invite the Holy Spirit. Keep inviting, the Holy Spirit's key. Keep inviting the Holy Spirit every day. Lord God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Morning, noon and night, throughout the day. Not religiously, but because you want to. Jesus came to break the law, to fulfill the law, but to bring grace and peace and freedom. In Galatians 5, it starts the first verse, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. No longer to be yoked of slavery, no longer to be yoked by slavery, no longer to be chained to fear, anxiety, frustration, road rage, anger, alcoholism, whatever it might be. No longer to be chained to that because it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. And when we focus on Jesus, it is him that sets us free. The Holy Spirit comes, but we invite the Holy Spirit. If you have a drinking problem, just ask the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, will you just help me with this drinking? I'm drinking too much wine. I drink too much beer. Ask him to come. Same thing. Same. It's the same, same, same. The scriptures are the same today as... When they were sport 2,000 years ago. We can believe them. It works, this stuff. It really does. It's amazing. 
What kind of church do you wish to be? I put, I want to suggest something to you, okay? And you can, you can take it or leave it, you can, con- you can consider it. Why not become a praying church? Why not become a praying church? Not only praying individually, but praying together. Why not try that first? Let's, let's walk down a, ro- a road of being a praying church. Praying for one another. Praying for the community. Praying for your meetings. Praying for the presence of God. Because if Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, guess what? He's going to send the Holy Spirit. Make no mistake. But do you know what we've got to do? When we get to 430 feet, we've got to dig a bit deeper. And when we get to 470, we've got to dig a bit deeper. And when we get to 505 feet and we've got a full gushing of water, then we'll want to dig even deeper than that. But we'll certainly want to drink the water because it's sweet. You said about the word. Great scripture, that. That the word of God is like honey on my lips. It's beautiful, isn't that? Wouldn't that be great? So praying church. I want to consider to be a praying church. I wrote this this morning because out of the prayer room emerges a butterfly. You know this. You know the story of the butterfly, don't you? When it's an ugly little encased creature, and then one day it crawls out. It crawls out, becomes a butterfly. I believe that out of the prayer room becomes an amazing butterfly. Out of the prayer room comes light. And purpose and passion for Jesus. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. I believe that God wants to say to you, become a praying church. Become a praying church. You will become servants of the Most High. You'll find it easy to serve. You'll find it easy to love. You'll find it easy to overcome the sinful things, those that chain us. You will find freedom in Christ. I believe it with all my heart. I really do. Why do I believe it with all my heart? Because I think that's been my experience. That's been my experience. I was thinking, you know, whilst I was... um, And I pray for this church all the time. I pray for Lund Baptist. My heart's here. I love it here. I got saved here. I got baptised here. I love the people who I've known for many, many years. I pray for you. You wouldn't know this, but I pray for you all. God just took me somewhere else. And... That's fine. But I can come back and encourage you, can't I? Because I think you're great. And last week when I sat there, I thought, what a wonderful, wonderful family atmosphere there is. And, and it's interesting because I work in a church in Accrington now, and um, they, they all struggle with addictions. Most of them have been in prison. Most of them are, uh, are um, trying to come off drugs or alcohol. Some have been, you know, into prostitution. Some of the worst, worst stories, most of them have been abused when they were kids. Some of the worst stories you could ever imagine, but I've seen Jesus transform lives. It's amazing. And we've seen, I don't know, we must have seen over 20 people baptised in the last two years. So over 20 people baptised in the last two years. They've got to like rock bottom, and then we've introduced them to Jesus, and they want to fall in love with Jesus. Do they all come through? No. Surprise, now many just fall away. Because the chains of the addiction are too strong. They can't, too strong, they, they struggle to break it because of the pain. But then they go away and they're a little bit like prodigals, then they come back. And, uh, and that's kind of like a little bit of what I've been um, getting involved with recently. But I, I've seen the power of God. 
the power of Jesus, the power of Holy Spirit, just come upon people and transform. It's a gift. Jesus said, listen guys, go to Jerusalem. They went full of joy. Why? Because the two angels gave him a pat on back. Go on lads, we're with you. You can imagine it, can't you? They needed them two angels to encourage him. They did. So they went back full of joy. Heaven came to earth. There's angels. We read about angels in scripture. Listen, we need to start believing this stuff. Back to basics. Believe the gospel. Believe, believe with all your heart. Overcome your doubts and believe. Amen.